Hi, this is David Fischoff, the producer and creator of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. You're listening to Robert Miller's podcast, Follow Your Dream. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast. I am Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Britt Lightning, who, among other things, is the lead guitarist for the all-female platinum-selling 80s rock band Vixen. She has toured with multiple Grammy winner Alejandro Sanz. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's played with Alejandra Guzman. She has performed with Rachel Platten of Fight Song fame. And she was labeled the closer by Lady Gaga. We'll have to talk about that. Currently, Britt is the musical director for the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And, you know, in the second half of this interview we're going to do a song fest which i love to do with my musical guests we're going to play some songs that brit is associated with and playing on it for the most part and we're going to talk about them and it's a lot of fun and nobody else does this thing in the middle of a podcast my featured song in this episode which you're hearing underneath the introduction and you'll hear it at the end as well because i always feature one of my songs in each episode is called no one's fool from PGS7, the album that I released with my band Project Grand Slam in 2019. And I chose this song because in doing my research on Brit, I discovered that she graduated from Northeastern University, summa cum laude. So obviously she is no one's fool. So Brit Lightning, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'll tell you, it's a thrill. I got to ask you this question. Don't get offended. But every time I say the name Brit Lightning, I keep thinking of Greased Lightning from the movie Grease. Did that have anything as to why you took the name? You know what? It didn't. Although I love that movie and a lot of my friends always do. Go Brit Lightning. (laughs) Brit Lightning, go Brit Lightning with the hand motions and all that. So. got to have a theme song that does just that because i think that would be great okay <laughs> i agree all right you know so this is a podcast called follow your dream so i like to ask my guests when you were a little girl okay when you were growing up did you always want to be like a metal guitarist i mean <laughs> was that your dream or how did that develop you know it didn't kick in until i was 15 and um actually i was recently home and going through my parents basement and i found a letter that I had to write to myself in high school about my goals and what I wanted to do. And it really spelled out when I was 15 and and then another one when I was graduating high school. Um, but in, it was just basically saying how much I want to be a rock star. And I, that's all I can see myself doing, be in the music industry, play music, be a musician, go on tour. Um, but I didn't have those aspirations until I was 15, until I heard eruption.
And that just set me on this completely different trajectory than what I was going on, which before that was a professional equestrian. That's what I wanted to be. And that's what I was working towards. I think you got and pretty far away from the horse. Okay. I, I did. Well, you know what? <laughs> I had to pick one or the other. Couldn't do both because the horse shows were early mornings on the weekends and then the rock shows were late at night and I'm closing down the clubs. And so there's no time to sleep in between. So I had to pick one. And of course, rock and roll always wins. And rock and roll wins. <laughs> so did it freak out your parents when at 15, they said you told them you want to be a rock and roll star it did i mean they thought it was a phase clearly it was not so i mean i they didn't it's a go phase that's still going on huh <laughs> i've never grown up yes <laughs> now you grew up where in boston i did right outside of boston yeah okay but you don't have that boston accent what happened well um it comes out when i'm drinking and watching the patriots <laughs> <laughs> Or in this case, now the Buccaneers, too. All right. So, you know, I lived in Boston for a period of time. I went to school, undergraduate, and I played music there throughout the whole city, all the different clubs. But this was an era that was a lot before the era that you started with. So tell me, how it, how, how did you graduate in the Boston area? Did you start playing all the clubs and what happened there? Yeah, so I started playing in high school. I, I had a band. Um, well, first I joined another band that was already going on tour, and that was my first tour um outside of massachusetts and you know you know got in a, a bus uh, not a bus a van <laughs> we weren't that cold got in a van and drove all around and um my parents miraculously let me go with uh a band of guys that were older than me and you know i had to get the x's on my hands and all the clubs i was underage um but it all went well i didn't have any crazy you know nothing nothing went wrong <laughs> and um you have very cool parents if they let you go out on that kind of a journey i was a rebellious kid so i really was like didn't leave them much of a choice i was like kind of like i'm doing this regardless you know but um but it worked out and um and then as i got a little bit older and started my own band my sister actually joined the band my younger sister i actually forced her to because i couldn't find a bass player you should have called me okay i mean i i wasn't female but you could have called me yeah, All I right. should have. Okay, well, <laughs> and so she's two years younger than me. And so then we both had the exes on our hands and we were in clubs and around Boston. And um, so my parents really got involved then. They were like, our two daughters are underage in clubs. I don't think so. So my mom became the merch lady. She sold our t-shirts and she came, drove us to every show. I mean, we couldn't even drive, I don't think at that point on our own. And then my dad became like the roadie and he helped us load all our gear into the clubs. And um, and he was also like security for us wow, too. You're, you are a lucky guy girl. Okay. <laughs> you had both parents involved. They're, they're into it with you. They're selling stuff. They're driving you around. That's fantastic. Yeah. What were the big clubs in Boston when you were playing in Boston? You know, it was like Avalon and Axis, um, all those clubs by Fenway Park, um, Bill's Bar. We used to play on that strip all the time. A couple like Irish pubs and things like that. Um, down by Faneuil Hall, um, the Bell and Hand Tavern. I'm trying to think of a uh, boy. It's been a while. See, in my era, the big club in Boston was in uh, opposite Fenway Park, and it was called the Boston Tea Party. Oh, okay. And all the big bands played there, from Eric Clapton to the Who, etc. And it was just like a a big nothing kind of a space, okay. But it was the club in Boston. Wow. Yeah, that was not there, and I know I missed. Um, what was it the Rat Skeller and uh, Mamakins and all those places that were supposedly really great too. All right. 
But Boston, you know, for me, when when I was there, I, we played. I played a different kind of music than you. I was more of a jazz rock kind of a thing. We were doing fusion. This was the 1970s. So the kind of places that we played were like Lenny's on the Turnpike, which was you know outside of Boston, and Paul's Mall, which was inside of Boston. I mean, these were great clubs at the time. But you know, it's very hard to keep a club going. You know that. Oh, it is. I know. I know. And unfortunately, a lot of great spots closed with COVID too. So that's a real bummer. Total bummer. All right. So I want to hear, how did you get into this metal stuff? Okay. I don't know much about metal. That was not my, my thing, but you were part of the whole eighties thing with the big hair and the all female groups. I want to hear about that. Educate me in the audience about this. Sure. Well, like I said, I heard eruption. And so from then on, I right away, I bought all the Van Halen records and then that was like the gateway to learn about more 80s rock. Um, and so then I got into hair bands and stuff because at the time I was growing up, it was more grunge era. And those just at the it wasn't inspiring for me to play guitar like the solos, you know, Kurt Cobain wasn't didn't make me want to grab a guitar and practice all day long. So for me, it was, you know, Eddie Van Halen. It was Warren Martini, and, um, you know, bands like Whitesnake, you know, just all the cool, fun 80s rock vibes. I just love that they had fun on stage. They were smiling. They were jumping. They had fun clothes and they were just yeah, they were rock and rolling and having a good time. And I just loved it. And the solos, of course, were electric. So I got into all those 80s bands and then into more metal, too. I loved, you know, Metallica and Pantera and Megadeth and um, that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it. And and I always looked up to Vixen because when I got into the 80s hairband thing, I'm in high school and I just think like, wow, that is so cool. I love the whole girl gang concept and and they're just like competing with the boys. And I loved that. And so that's um, was, you know, a partial influence for starting my band Jaded. OK, so you started with Jaded. And uh, we're going to go into Jaded a little bit more when we do the uh, song fest here, because I got one of the, your songs from Jaded teed up. But tell us a little bit about that and then how you transitioned into Vixen and what that whole thing was like for you. Yeah, so I, I had Jaded for almost uh, eight years, eight, a little more maybe. And it was great, but, you know, it's hard being a local band and trying to break through and, you know, make money and everything oh, like yeah. that. Tell me about it. <laughs> keep the whole band together on the same page and excited and write songs and book and stuff. So it was a lot of work. And then um, I realized a friend of mine had told me you can go audition for bands and be a guitar player for hire. That's a thing. And you just show up and you play guitar. And I didn't realize that at the time. It never occurred to me. Um, I was always like really band mentality. And um, so I auditioned for Lady Gaga. That was my first audition. It was an open call and I came very close to getting it. I was like one person away from getting it. I got all the callbacks and it was quite an interesting experience. But um, that's how I started playing with other artists and other bands. And and a lot of my gigs all kind of came from that one audition, crazily. All right. Let's stay on that for a second. Tell me how that all works. Okay. There's an open audition. You get called. You go down. You got a whole bunch of people there that are staring at you. And what do you do? Tell us what happens. You freak out on the inside. <laughs> and you look really cool on the outside. And um, in that particular case, they she, they just said, you know, play something to impress us. Like there was nothing. It wasn't like play this Gaga song or play, you know, something in the style of it was just like do something. So I just kind of got up there and shredded and tried to be animated and 
yeah, look cool and not look as nervous as I was feeling on the inside. And, um, and it worked. <laughs> all right. A couple of questions. First of all, tell everybody in the audience, what does shredding mean? Because people that are not into a certain type of music will not understand what that means. <laughs> sure. So shredding, you know, just grabbing the guitar and playing fast and furious and ripping into it and just going for it. And shredding, I guess, is really in metal terms. Yeah. Like fast, you know, articulate playing. Okay. Do, do, do you actually care what notes you're playing or is the idea just play as fast as possible? I care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean you, but I mean, in general, I mean, because I see some of these bands and the guys are just, you know, the guys and girls, their, their hands are flying all over the, the, the fretboard. And you're saying to yourself, do they really know what they're playing here? Are they just making sounds? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's all uh, subjective, but um, I, yeah, it depends on the person, I guess. Some people just, to me, it does sound like a lot of noise, a lot of chromatic notes. Some people are really into scales and certain patterns and but it's that just like wow factor of seeing, yeah, somebody's hands go crazy on the fretboard and a flurry of notes. Okay. All right. So you're, you're in the Gaga auditions. Is she there at the time? Okay. She's not there for like the first two callbacks, I think. And then we go to a sound stage somewhere else and she's there for the next callbacks. And what is she like? Is she sitting in a chair? Is she friendly? Is she talking to you? Is she, you know, playing with a telephone? What is she doing? She was at a table looking at us um, down below and we were like on an elevated stage and she was just kind of observing. She introduced herself and said hi and she was cool, but she was also like a little bit um, challenging um, to me and some, you know, other people just, yeah, I think she was in a state where she was wanted to see like how much she could push people. Um, like she asked me to, you know, shave my head. She said I wouldn't <laughs> shave my head if I wanted to be in the band and stuff like that. So um, she was, she was interesting. She's, she's a character, you know, she's, she's Lady Gaga. You know, it wasn't too many years before that, that she was probably out there auditioning kind of like you, cause she scuffled, you know, before she became a big star. Yeah. And this was in the early stages too. This was, uh, I think in like 2011. Okay. So I was wondering, you know, did she remember back to when she was in the position that you were in, or was she more like the, I'm the Lady Gaga kind of thing? I think she kind of had the, I'm the Lady Gaga thing going <laughs> on, for sure. She was enjoying her, uh, her power, I think, and her <laughs> position. All right. So you wouldn't shave your head and I, you didn't get the part, unfortunately, but it led to other things, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. You never know who's watching. So you always have to put your, um, you know, best face forward and, and do your best because, um, yeah, other people were watching and they recommended me for gigs and that's how I got the Alejandro gig. And then, you know, and then it just all snowballs and the Rachel Platten gig came from that too. And other gigs as well. And then, um, and you asked about getting into Vixen and that happened. Um, I had finished a tour and I moved to LA cause I had always wanted to, to live out here in beautiful, sunny LA. And I have no regrets about that decision. And, um, and I just got involved with the jam scene here, which was something we didn't have in Boston. Um, like there's so many clubs, you can go out any night of the week and go to a jam and you can get up on stage and jam with musicians. So it's a great way to get to know people in LA and start networking. And, um, so I was doing that and then, um, and then somebody saw me and then, you know, knew that Vixen was looking for a guitar player. And so that's that my name got dropped in the hat and I went down to audition um, down in Florida with the band. And yeah, the rest is history. Good for you. 
Hey, everybody. My Follow Your Dream Handbook is an Amazon number one bestseller. It's a combination memoir of my unique musical journey and a step-by-step how-to for you to follow and succeed at your dream. It's available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Check it out today. All right, let's let's segue into the Songfest side of things. So we'll talk a little bit more about these bands. The first song that we're playing now underneath us as we speak is a song called Higher, which was by Jaded. So tell us the backstory on that. This was one of our, we had a couple different singers. So this was with our last singer, Katie. And um, we recorded this um, with Richard Marr and Galaxy Park Studios in Alston, Massachusetts. And uh, yeah, it was just a song. Yeah, I don't know. Every, every song we just kind of wrote organically, jamming in the rehearsal space or sketchy rehearsal space, but I have fond memories of it. And um, yeah, and then this was just one of them. This was uh, the first track on one of our albums. Okay. So it was released at some point. Yes. Okay. And this was an all girl, all Boston band. Yes. Yes. All local Boston girls. Love it. Love it. Love it. And I love the Alston part of that too, because I lived in Brighton when I lived in Boston up on Chiswick road, not too far from uh, Boston college. Those are okay. my fond memories up there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was right in Brighton Center. All right. That's cool. All right. Let's go to the next one. This is a, a Vixen song. And I actually found online kind of like the, the hard rock version of this, but you gave me an acoustic version. This is called Edge of a Broken Heart. I can't believe I could have been so blind. But the truth remains So kind of talk about that song and uh, your Vixen experience in general. Yeah. So Edge of a Broken Heart is probably, you know, Vixen's biggest hit. And um, we had recorded a live album in 2018 um, at the Arcata Theater in Illinois. And then we wanted a couple studio tracks to go along with it. So we went to Michael Wagner's studio 
um, who's the greatest. He's just so wonderful um, in Nashville. And we recorded uh, two studio tracks and we wanted to do a, a new version of Edge. So we decided to do an acoustic version. And um, that was just kind of like a magical, fun day. And uh, I just love the way it came out. Um, I just think it has a different vibe than the original, obviously. And um, we were just all really connected at that time. And it just brings back very fond memories of in being with the band in that studio with Michael. And it was just a great, a great time. Are you still playing with Vixen? Yes. And what's happening with the band? Okay. So we just, we've been out every weekend since uh, end of June, um, doing uh, weekend dates all over the country. Um, but it's been a whirlwind. It's been great. We've done some awesome shows. We did Monsters on the Mountain, which is um, like the Monsters of Rock cruise that we do every year. But since they didn't have the cruise, they did this one on land in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. That was a blast. We've just done some awesome casinos and festivals. And we've played with a lot of great bands like our friends Slaughter and Kicks. And, um, you know, we just, yeah, we've been having a great time getting back out there and seeing fans again and uh, being able to play live. It's been awesome. Yeah. Isn't it nice to be out again after having this pandemic whack us all? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. We needed live music. I was missing that. I'm with you on that. Okay, let's move on to the next song. I picked the song, you know, the big song by Rachel Platten called Fight Song, because I know people will know this song. Like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion, like how a single word can make a heart open. And I know you didn't play on the recording, but you played with her a lot. So tell us a little bit about what it was like playing with Rachel Patton, being on the road with her. And every time you played this song, you must have gotten a great reaction from the crowd. This song was huge. Yeah, it was definitely one of the number one songs of the year. And it became, you know, a theme song for, you know, breast cancer awareness and people fighting for things. And um, so it's got a great message. It's amazing. Rachel is awesome. She's another Massachusetts native. You know, she's from Newton. Oh, OK. Newton, yeah. And um, and but funny enough, I didn't know her from Massachusetts. We we just met. Like I said, this one kind of came long windedly through the Lady Gaga audition too, like years later. Um, I got a call for um, for her through her musical director. And that yeah, was the it, best failed audition that you could ever have done. <laughs> it really was. And I thought my life was over when I didn't get it, too. So it just goes to show you, don't give up hope. <laughs> right. Your life was oh. just beginning after that. Oh, yeah. I thought, oh, I got to give up the guitar. I'm never going to touch it again. I better go into like some other field completely. Go yeah, back no. to the horses, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> yep, go back to cleaning horse stalls. No, but um. Yeah, working with her is awesome. She had a really cool band. 
Um, and she just, yeah, she's been doing amazing ever since then, but that song really took off and we had a blast. We, I did a radio and TV kind of promo tour for that single. And so we were back and forth. We mostly played New York and LA a lot because we were doing a lot of radio stations and TV uh, shows. So that was, yeah, that was a really great experience. And yeah, the reaction from the fans every time you play that song is just electric. People have signs. Everybody holds up a sign, like what they're fighting for. It was really cool. Okay, excellent. All right, let's change the pace a little bit because you had some Latin experiences, which I found very interesting because you went from the whole metal and shredding and all of that stuff into a much different kind of vibe. So the first one we're going to play is um, Eris. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, by Alejandra Guzman. Eres Lo que más quiero en este mundo eso eres Mi pensamiento más profundo también eres Tan solo dime lo que hago aquí me tienes Cuando despierto lo primero eso eres Lo que a mi vida le hace falta si no vienes Lo único precioso que en mi mente habita Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so that was super fun. I that happened after I moved here to LA, and um, she wanted to do a live CD DVD at the Roxy on the Sunset Strip, and um, this is actually a covers album. So Eris is a cover, um, but that was just one of the fun ones that we did. She put together a really cool band, um, a great producer, great musicians, and. Um, so that was a whole new band for this record, and it was a lot of fun to do. And um, yeah, that was one of my favorite tracks. Was everybody else in the band of Latin background or not? No, no, no. It was just a whole new band. Everybody was based out of L.A. for this live recording. OK, good. All right. And the last one we're going to do is uh, Mi Marciana. I believe that's the way it's pronounced by Alejandro Sanz. Eres el rayo de mayo, mis letras, tus cremas cantando en el coche. Cuando juntamos las sillas, me siento tanto golpe. Tienes guardados abrazos que abarcan tu Y tienes un beso de arroz y de leche en el baño. Dices que vienes de Marte y vas A regresar vamos que te irás Menos que a veces, tan solo a veces Lo que está haciendo es lo que parece A veces parece que te hayas marchado ya Vámonos
got a lot of Grammys, doesn't he? A lot, a lot. I know. Where I, he needs to buy another house, <laughs> put them all in. <laughs> yeah, Alejandro is totally amazing. Both those artists, Alejandra too. She's sold millions, millions of records. She's a big figure for women in, in you know the Mexican market. She's just incredible. Um, so I look up to both of them so much. Touring with Alejandro was amazing. Uh, we did a three-year tour um, for the La Musica No Satoka album. And that that's off, um, Me Marciana is a track off of that live concert that we played in uh, Seville, yeah, Seville, Sevilla. I took a look at one video where you're you're doing a solo and he's like right next to you looking over the neck of the guitar. And I'm saying to myself, <laughs> if that was me, I think I'd give him an elbow or something like that. But he's the <laughs> star, so you can't do that, right? <laughs> no, I loved it. He has, he's got a great sense of humor. And yeah, we always had fun on stage. That whole band, that was that was one of the best experiences of my life, for sure. Good for you. All right. So let's get to rock camp, you know, the fantasy rock and roll camp. You are the musical director. So what does that mean? You put all the bands together. You get all these guys and gals out there playing with the rock stars. How does that work? Yeah, I'm the rock star wrangler. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of get everybody, choose the counselors, put the bands together by skill levels. Um, so, you know, Rock Camp is uh, open to anybody, all ages. We have, you know, teenagers and then we have, you know, 70 year olds. I mean, anybody can come rock out at rock camp and um, all different levels. We have people that have never been in bands before. And then we have people that are in successful cover and tribute bands that just want to get better and meet people and have this experience. And it's, yeah, it's truly a life-changing experience. It's incredible, but the camps are four days and um, yeah. So everybody gets placed in a band um, with a rock star mentor. And then um, we prepare them, we give them a song list and the, the mentors work with their own individual bands to get them ready to perform live at famous venues. When we play in LA, it's the whiskey, a go-go um, that's the, you know, final grand night. So, you know, it's, it's incredible to see people that, especially the ones that have very little experience in just four days, rocking with the band up on a, on stage at the whiskey where, you know, zeppelin played and the doors played you know it's just it's it's a really neat thing and people really grow a lot not just musically but personally and you make friends for life the people that you meet there are all incredible people and everybody is there with a great attitude and it's um it's just a really interesting special community that yeah i've never seen or heard anywhere else do you put these things together or you you just handle them once they've been put together uh, yeah, I, I help with it. Yeah. David and I work together every day and we're always coming up with new ideas and thinking of new talent and thinking of, uh, yeah, fresh things to do. This is David Fishoff, who has uh, I've interviewed him on the podcast and uh, he's got one heck of a background. So he's amazing. And he's yeah. just a creative genius. Every day he's got a new idea. You know, it's like I'll see check my email in the middle of the night if I can't sleep. And sure enough, he's got a new idea at 3 a.m. And there it is. And he's up thinking it just it never stops. It's very inspiring. All right. We have been talking with Britt Lightning, who is multi-talented. She's with Vixen. She's with um, Latin artists. She is the musical director of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Britt, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so much fun to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it a lot. All right. And now we're going to hear again the song that we started out playing underneath the introduction. It's my song called No One's Fool. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. She won't make me run and hide. She won't make me go outside. She won't make me break no rule. No, she won't. She's no one's fool. She won't make me climb the hill. She won't make me take a pill. She won't make me swim the pool. No, she won't. She's no one's fool. Oh, yeah, she won't. She never will. She's very cool. She's no one's fool. Take me very far. She won't take me out to school. No, she won't. She's no one's fool. She won't ever disrespect. She won't ever cause a wreck. She won't ever kick the mule. No, she won't. She's no one's fool. Oh, yeah, she won't. She never will. She's very cool. She's no one's fool.